You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. On today's show, I'll be discussing the secret reasons why sex is crucial to your life, why sex is good for your health, and how important physical intimacy is to a relationship with my guest, Dr. Rachel Needle. Rachel Needle is an expert on why the brain is our biggest sex organ and what couples can do to keep the passion alive in their relationship. She received her PsyD in clinical psychology from Nova Southeastern University and her BA in psychology from Barnard College, Columbia University. Dr. Rachel Needle is a licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. She's in private practice at the Center for Marital and Sexual Health of South Florida and runs a comprehensive group practice called Whole Health Psychological Center. Dr. Needle is the co-director of Modern Sex Therapy Institutes, a continuing education provider company that trains medical and mental health professionals and certifies sex therapists around the world. Rachel has been quoted in a number of popular magazines and newspapers such as Details, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Washington Post, and Men's Health, and has written several articles for Glamour Magazine's online blog, Smitten. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. So I want full disclosure for everyone. We're friends, we're colleagues, and I am... uh, proud and happy to be uh, partnered with you in your Modern Sex Therapy um, Institutes uh, for um, the LGBTQIA and Sex Therapy for Couples. So I'm glad to have you on. So happy to be here, Joe. And we're, we're so ecstatic that you are a partner in our institute. I really appreciated it when you approached me, and it was fun creating that program, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I want to ask you first, if I could, you know, being a sex therapist, people are listening. Some are th- are therapists themselves, and some aren't. Um, people really don't know like what a sex therapist is. Would you mind sharing that? Sure. So, uh, sex therapists can be a number of different things. So, mostly we are either mental health professionals or counselors um, who have specialized training in the area of sex and sexuality. Um, so we do ag- extra training on top of our degree. So mine is a doctor in psychology, in clinical psychology, to be able to specialize in that area, not only to feel comfortable, but to be knowledgeable about sex and sexuality, anything from gender and orientation to behavior like and dysfunction and function. Um, so we do a number of different things. That's yeah. It's really helpful for people to know that because uh, people, you know, I don't know if you get this, but I get this a lot as a sex therapist. You know, do you touch people in your office? Is it just talk therapy? Do you get that a lot? Absolutely. I think that when you know the first thing that happens when I tell somebody that I'm a certified sex therapist is they think sex surrogate. Um, and so, you know, in, in which case you, you, you know, do touch the client or, or can. Um, so we don't, we do talk therapy. Our licenses are still as, um, in the mental health arena. Yeah, exactly. And, um, can you tell people what a sexual surrogate is so they know the difference? Um, sure. So a sexual surrogate is somebody that, that, works with a client who oftentimes is struggling socially or doesn't have experience um, or uh, for some actually has some sort of disability who has not been intimate both emotionally and physically at times with a um, with any other partner on understanding 
uh, the body, they give knowledge, they help them feel comfortable being with someone, learn how to touch often. Um, so it can be a variety of different things. That's so well said. I, I appreciate the distinction for people listening. You know, um, for the longest time, as a th- I've been a therapist 34 years, and most of those years were, I was not sex therapy trained. I dealt with trauma, sexual trauma, sexual abuse, out-of-control sexual behaviors, uh, the formerly uh, outdated model of sex addiction. And um, people would heal and get better. And then the reason I became a sex therapist is then I would be lost. Like, okay, so what's healthy sexuality for this person? And so I found that I needed to get additional training about sex therapy because I, I believe this and I know this was true for me. If therapists are not trained in sex, they'll lead the client to what they think is healthy sexuality for them and not for the client. So my question to you is, why is it important for therapists to talk about sex when working with their clients, both individuals and couples? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, it is. I mean, even if somebody does not come in for sexual issues, something is going to come up. Again, you know, sex is is ranges, you know, in, in topics. So, you know, it's not just the, you know, low sexual desire or sexual functioning issues, right? They might want to develop healthy sexual goals, explore fantasies, look at, you know, struggle with their gender or their sexual orientation. So when we don't, and everybody who comes in our office, right, is going to have gone through puberty. Let's just even start there. Um, so it's important to have some knowledge and background, even if you're not specializing in sexual issues, because lo and behold, something will come up, whether it was messages they received about sex that has them thinking differently about their own sexuality or struggling in a relationship, even emotionally, right? Things will come up that we weren't, we weren't taught about. Um, so it's important that we have at least some knowledge, even if you don't want to be a certified sex therapist, um, but, you know, some knowledge on the area of sex and sexuality and feel comfortable talking about it. Right, because that's the the biggest issue. I used to have this comic. I can't find it anywhere. It just kills me. It was a therapist and a client, and the client's on a Freudian couch, and she says to her therapist, you know, Dr. So-and-so, there are some things that I don't tell you. And the therapist responds, and I want you to know, Mrs. So-and-so, how much I really appreciate that. And people laugh well, at that, yeah. but it's fu- it's not really funny because a lot of therapists are uncomfortable, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of people in general are uncomfortable talking about sex. And so when it comes up in session, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I get referrals from other therapists, which I, which I absolutely appreciate, not just the referral, but that they recognize that it's outside of their bounds of competence. So to work with somebody who they're continuing to work on just on the sexual issue. And I, I do it a lot, but one of the things I say is to, to both the therapist and the client is that there's going to be some overlap. I'm a psychologist, so I don't just look at your sexual issue when you come, come up, come in, you know? Um, and it is a difficult topic for many to discuss. That's such a good point because people do think that. They'll say, do you do anything else? They don't realize that I'm actually a regular therapist dealing with regular issues and, in addition to sex. And most people think therapists, any therapist is trained, if they're a regular therapist, they're trained in sex. So both are are not true. Right. Exactly. And so it's important to be able to work with another therapist. But, you know, I always say, you know, let let me help you so that you can do this on your own, too. So through kind of collaborating on the client, sometimes they learn a little bit and then, you know, sometimes they're open to taking some of our courses. Yeah. And I always, when I train therapists, I always say the number one reason that your clients might fire you is because of you're not trained in sexuality or gender issues and they want to talk about that. 
And what do you think about when Esther Perel, and I agree with her, uh, but I want to know what you think, uh, when she says there's two conversations when you're working with couples, you know, one is the relationship conversation and one, and another is the sexual conversation and one doesn't make the other necessarily better. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree as well. I mean, you, you have to talk about both though, and they're both oftentimes going to come up and sometimes together and sometimes separately. Yeah, I've, I've started to think as I've gotten more in the, into the field that it's a little unethical, uh, maybe very unethical to not ask your couples or your clients around their sexual health. We're so driven to do everything else, biopsychosocial, um, you know, their mental health, but not their sexual health. What do you think of that? I think it's incredibly important. I mean, we know that, you know, um, couples are more experienced, more better and increased couple satisfaction and relationship satisfaction when they um, express higher satisfaction in their sexual relationship. So we know that one impacts the other. Um, and so oftentimes when, you know, people are more satisfied, it's that they're also satisfied with, with their sexual life and they're on the same page and they're experiencing a, a healthy and satisfying sex life. So we know that's important. Research has shown us this. So tell me, so that's great to know about couples, and I'm sure people are, would like to, uh, will appreciate hearing that. What about individuals, though? How, how do they manage that when they don't necessarily have a regular sex partner? Well, I mean, that, that's important as well. I mean, it's, it's, the level of importance depends on the person, right? Um, but also we know that, you know, it, it, sex is really good for our health and, you know, releases endorphins. So it makes us feel good. If we're just talking about like our mental health, it can relieve tension. It can help us sleep better, which will lead to better quality of life. Um, increased longevity even makes our brains functional. So those are like things that contribute, you know, besides obviously contributes to our cardiovascular health. And, um, but we know that sexual hormones can lower rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, you know, boost immunity. So whether you're in a relationship or not, it's nice to be able to, you know, these are some of the benefits of, of orgasm. What do you think about masturbation? Would that be, um, some, would that be sex for somebody, uh, in, and, and help them with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there are many people that don't feel comfortable masturbating or, you know, have sort of this style of masturbating that they're not comfortable with. Um, so we help people become more comfortable with that. Um, obviously, you know, it depends on the individual. We, you know, if this is something that, you know, if somebody is, you know, religion, due to religion, let's say not, you know, in favor of masturbation, we talk about different ways that they can get pleasure. Um, you know, we don't push somebody to do something they're not comfortable with or they're not ready for. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we know that, you know, masturbation leads to another health, a number of health benefits in, in itself. Yeah, that's good for people to hear too. How do you, um, in, when you work with couples, how do you help them keep their passion, their sexual passion, erotic passion alive? Um, so it even, it's not even just sexual that we, you know, things that we deal with. We talk about, you know, even just planning time together, right? Because when you're disconnected and when you're not taking the time to connect, you're less likely to be sexual with each other, right? Nowadays, especially when, you know, you have two parents oftentimes out of the house, you know, working, you have, if, if you have children in the home or stress from work, you know, you're often, you often don't spend a lot of time together. And when you do, it's not free from distraction. So how many times have you seen couples sitting in a restaurant, and both of them have their phones out, you know? So we help them on, you know, we help them to look at reconnecting as well. Um, doing things that they did at the beginning of a relationship. When we're at the beginning of a relationship and things are more exciting, um, we tend to um, spend more time trying to court our partners or uh, become closer. We do things like kiss. I mean, the beginning of a relationship, couples often enjoy deep kissing. And as the relationship duration goes on, this subsides. 
also talk to couples about just, you know, making it at a point to touch and that doesn't have to be sexual touch to kiss where, you know, you, like really make out like for a couple minutes a day. And that doesn't have to lead to, 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 you know, any other sexual activity, but, but it could be nice to do that. Um, we, you know, communication is huge. One of the things that often gets lost besides, you know, communicating on a, and, and having time together is, um, communicating about sexual needs and what you want. So helping people feel more comfortable with, um, talking about what they like, even in the moment, like, you know, where they like it, like, you know, keep doing that or, or a little to the right, or I would, you know, I would love if you would try doing X. Um, also, I find that a lot of couples really get down on themselves that they're not having more sex and they have this idea of how it's supposed to be. And some of that comes from the media. So I talk to people a lot about ditching that myth so that things should happen spontaneously, that this is what it should look like, that it should be this many times and it should, you know, you shouldn't be, you, you shouldn't be able to walk past the doorway because you're so into each other, right? You just want to rip each other's clothes off and do it right there against the wall. Like, over time, that's, that doesn't happen as often, and mm-hmm. that's okay. That doesn't mean that you don't have a great sex life and you don't want each other, but have realistic expectations of what that's going to look like. I'm so glad you're saying this because the media does give a false impression that sex should be this headbanging wall against the wall, just like you said, and that's, not, that's the beginning of a relationship. That's not the long term of a relationship. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that it can't be, that there can't be spontaneous sex. I mean, of course, we still have that time, some people, but the more sort of life gets in the way, the harder that becomes. And most people have to make a conscious effort to sustain the relationship and the passion. I mean, like as with anything else that you do, right, it doesn't just, you know, happen automatically forever. You have to put time into that. Um, and so plan that time together, even if it's sex and some people say, oh, well, that makes it so, you know, boring because then we know we're going to do it. Well, I talk to people about building that anticipation. I actually think it can be even hotter when you know it's going to happen, let's say at the end of the day, right? Spend time texting your partner, really racy and exciting things and what you can't wait to do to your partner and, you know, set the stage, um, if you feel comfortable, send pictures. I always tell people to leave their any identifying marks, or especially their their faces, out of it <laughs> if they want to feel safer doing so. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> it's important nowadays. Yeah, right. Exactly. I love that you said though. I just I wish I could find this video. I don't remember where I saw it, but I I've never forgotten it. It was about long term vintage love, mature love, and they were you know couples together thirty forty years, and this was an el- an older adult couple. They were probably in their late 60s, early 70s. And he turned to her at the end and he French kissed her. And it was just a little bit. And then um, she started laughing and she pulled away and she said, he hasn't kissed me like that in over 10 years. And she was not negative about it. She was laughing. And I thought, wow, that happens, doesn't it? Absolutely. And for a number of reasons. I mean, but it's important to, regardless of what else is going on in the relationship, remind yourself of what you know, you first fell in love with what you were attracted to at first and try to get back to that place and that it's, and, and know that it's going to be different. And that, that different doesn't have to mean not as good, right? It can be just as satisfying and just as amazing, um, but different. Um, I also talk to people about like, remember that mystery and seduction are important. So seduction and build up anticipation, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. like, it, like at the beginning of a relationship, um, continue to make an effort to, to do those things and to maintain an erotic connection. Um, so don't make things so routine. So even just a small switch up, that doesn't mean like, you know, you have to do things you're not comfortable with. Even just switching 
positions or switching locations, you know, rooms. Um, don't focus on just your orgasm. Focus on, like, fun and excitement and the buildup and what feels so good. Um, and spend time with your partner really, like, anticipating, imagining, fantasizing together. Share your fantasies if you're comfortable. Um, just try something new. You know, it's also really important is what you said earlier and that is well, you're saying it now too, the whole anticipation thing. People do it when they're first in relationship. You're texting all day, you're sexting all day, you're planning when yeah. you're going to do it. And I remember um, listening to Esther Perel talk about people doing it in, in infidelity, right? In affairs, you know, they're planning mm-hmm. and they're having all this and it's exciting. So then you're right. So why wouldn't that also be true for when you're a long-term couple? And it, it does add to the excitement, just like you say. Yeah, you have you have to make a conscious effort to have some of these things continue, regardless of what's going on. And I talk to people about sort of reconnecting. And I know you and I both work, you know, do some Imago um, relationship work. And one of the things that I remember the analogy is like there's this carpet in between you, and the more you know, you, you kick dirt under the carpet, and if you don't clean out that dirt, right, eventually it's so high you can't even see each other. So make sure that you're focusing on your relationship. You're you know, sweeping out that dirt every day and so that you can kind of stay, you know, maintain emotionally connected to your partner and not start to build up resentment or let things sort of build up like that. Yeah, because then that starts building up the resentment and then people don't, then those things get in the way of lots of things, but it, but it also gets in the way of being sexual with one another, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I know that this, I mean, you know, I don't tell people who have trauma history if there's something coming up or pain, but for, for the majority of people, like I will say, you know, kind of like the Nike slogan, just do it. Um, because the truth is, is that our biggest sex organs are brain. So even when you kind of don't feel like it, again, as long as there's not like some trauma or something coming up and negative in that way, um, you like, most likely you're going to get aroused, you're going to get into it, you're going to end up enjoying it. And I tell people, how long could it actually take? I mean, really, like every session doesn't have to be this like marathon session. It could be a little quickie just to connect, just to, you know, have an outlet to feel good and connected to your partner. Just do it. I used to have a client, a gay couple, they used to say, we have two kinds of sex. We have throw me down sex and we have making love sex. And sometimes we just want to get off with one another or a quickie. And sometimes we want to eye gaze and foreplay. And so I totally agree with you. I would ask you, um, when you say, and it is common, I remember learning this even in the 80s, that our biggest sex organ is our brain. You just said that. Can you explain that? Yeah. What do you mean? So uh, when we talk about sex, we often talk about like our genitals, right? And yes, are they typically involved in sex? Yeah. But our biggest sex organ, what we, we have to be in the moment. We have to be thinking sexy thoughts. I mean, when you're 11 years old, yes, you kind of like, we think of like an 11 year old, like, you know, male, let's say who, you know, can, the wind can blow a certain way and swing, you know, <laughs> they get a, they get a, an erection. But for the majority of people, like, especially as we get older and not just physically, but other things coming up in our life, that's not how it works, right? We need to be into it. Our brain, we need to be thinking sexy thoughts present in the moment um, to be able to really enjoy sexual activity. I to- I really agree. What I've been so drawn to you about and still continue to be impressed and drawn to you is your passion for learning and teaching and just you're very to me I'm just going to say you're very smart. You know a lot of things. You're a regular psychologist and then you're this advanced um psychologist and sex therapist. Why did you decide to teach about that and and create the Modern Sex Therapy Institutes? Um so that's a great question. So, you know, I think part of it is 
Um, obviously, from, from as far back as I remember, I wanted to be a psychologist, and I grew up with a mother who, you know, was in the women's health field, spoke very openly about sexuality, so I was always comfortable for, you know, discussing sexual topics. I was a peer educator in, in uh, high school, and, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable. So this was just an area that was sort of a natural progression for me. You know, I wanted to help make sure people had accurate information and understanding of how they got to where they are in relation to their sexual issues and concerns and help them towards a, a path to a healthy and satisfying sexual life. And I, I found that, you know, I, I've always loved educating. I've been teaching since uh, as soon as I received my master's in 2003. Um, and I've always enjoyed it, and I, I found that there was a gap. There was, you know, a lot of programs, but but not a lot that were doing this in a comprehensive way. Um, and so for me, for Modern Sex Therapy Institute, our goals were to reach as many people as possible, regardless of where you were in the world, um, and to have as much information from experts in the area as possible so that people could get the best education when they were studying um, to, to, again, either specialize in sexuality or just learn a little bit more. Um, so, you know, not everyone who goes through our program has to, you know, become a certified sex therapist, educator, or counselor, you know. They can just choose to learn more about the, the area. We have people that actually aren't even professionals in our field that have come to workshops. Um, so I just think it's really important, and I think it's also being recognized. So for our program, for instance, I know you and I spoke last week about the LGBTQIA Affirmative Therapy Certification Program. Well, insurance companies now are requiring people to have a certification if they say they work with the LGBTQ population. Um, so, you know, that's also important. So we're developing these niches, you know, between having an LGBTQIA track, alternative relationships track, people of color track, transgender mental health care track. We're just trying to expand as much as possible to be able to make sure that people get all the education and all their needs met in one place. And you make it so easy by most of it is online, isn't it? Yeah, we have, well, everything's available online, depending on what certification you want. Some might have to be in person as well, but we give as many options as possible. So everything's live, you know, live in person in eight different states now, and we're expanding live via webinar so you can attend from wherever you are in the world. And we professionally record all of our workshops and make them available online after for asynchronous learning. So we give people options. And forgive me if I didn't hear you say, because I love when you say, how many um, classes or modules do you have? Uh, over 130 archived workshops, and I think I've been saying that for a few months now, which means there's probably at least 140. <laughs> I know you continue to do them. I'm just—it's it's amazing. <laughs> and I and I just asked for because um, I wanted to learn more about sexual ethics, and you—it's um, like a four-part. Is how many hours is that? Like four to six hours, isn't it? Uh, the one I sent you was actually an eight-hour course. Oh my god! I just think it's so thorough and so you know. And I don't want to scare people. It's not a necessarily advanced. You have introductory stuff, <laughs> midi, midi. Uh, what do you call that? Me, uh, the medium, in between stuff, and then you have the the harder stuff. And um, it's all yeah, good. We have everything from just the core, you know, from from like reproductive and you know anatomy and physiology to developmental sexuality, anything to you know treating out of control sexual behavior, which is what Doug Brown Harvey will be teaching for us in November. Uh, the things that you do, like you know. Um, erotic differentiation and amago relationship therapy. So we have, you know, everything in between. You know, the core, the one of the programs that that you helped us develop was that couples and sex therapy certification program. So we recognize that, you know, some people want to be specialized in sex, but they also need more training in working with couples in general. So we we combined and added the thirty hours, and now they can do that as well. It's really awesome. We have a couple minutes left. What else would you like people to know about you and your work? Um, 
You know, I think that, um, you know, it's possible to do a number of different things uh, as a therapist um, and that specializing is helpful um, in terms of, you know, building a niche and building a practice um, for those that are interested in that and that there's a number of different avenues that you can take to to become a specialist in sexuality, you know. Um, There's not just one route to doing that. That's great. Oh, no, there was a glitch in, I think, in the, yeah. So, um, oh, no worries. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Um, and then just on the, you know, professional side in terms of, of couples is, you know, just take time to reconnect. Um, in, in general, just make sure that you're continuing to get to know your partner, that you are spending time together that's not distracted, and that you're, you know, I tell people, do, do a relationship check-in once a month. Have that in your schedule where you, you know, once a month you talk about where your relationship's at, what are the things that you'd like to do together, like what are the, you know, what are your relationship goals, both both personally, like your goals as a couple, as well as to do as a couple, um, where would you like to be and, and check in? Are we, are we meeting those? Are there more that we want to add? Are we in a good place? Cause that's really important. I mean, it's something that we would do. We get, you know, if, if you work at a, you know, at, at a normal job, let's say you, you get evaluations, you go back and you see, where am I with this company? You know, am I meeting my goals or, or the, you know, do that for your relationship too. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Rachel. Where can people find Thanks you? Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where can they find you online? Um, so for Modern Sex Therapy Institutes, it's www.modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. And I also have www.drrachel.com. Um, and anybody can email me at um, drrachelneedle at gmail.com. And I'm available by phone at 561-379-7207. And I welcome any questions or anybody interested in learning more um, about the, you know, being with your partner and, and what you can do differently or becoming a client or learning more about sexuality as a professional. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks for so being on the show. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you having me. All right. Bye. Have a great day. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and you can find me on joecourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.